Hey, welcome back to the Daily Blend Show with me, Reed Daly. Today is October 2nd, 2020. So each week we feature our Friday Top 5, which are five stories we thought were interesting, notable, or culturally significant. This week we are showcasing stories from Twilio and how a void in the marketplace caused them to develop their own digital conference solution, how Zapier has named their Top 25 integrations and why you should start integrating your core apps in your personal lives, how athletes are taking more control of their revenue streams and how this could have implications on corporate culture. Global online content consumption doubled in 2020, and while that's no surprise, we're going to talk about why that matters. And then lastly, we're going to dive into Amazon's new $4.99 a month digital concierge for men and how this is not only a competitor for Stitch Fitch, but how Amazon can finally start jumping into the fashion industry that they've struggled with for years. These Friday top five updates are available on dailyblend.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So with all that out of the way, let's jump into the show. Our first story comes from Twilio, where we talk about a void in the marketplace with conference rooms. So the context here was that Twilio was looking to set up a digital conference because of COVID. And they went to market issuing various RFPs to try to find a solution that would fit their needs. And through the demo process, they recognized that there really wasn't a product that was a fully digitally uh, enabled or activated conference platform. And so they started to think to themselves, well, we have this robust API platform, we have a tech base, let's go and build it ourselves. And so what they've done is they've stitched together a few of their all existing solutions and built a concierge-like experience that is fully digital uh, and self-service oriented for digital conferences. Now, the article comes out of TechCrunch and really didn't give a whole lot of details on release schedules or links to the product itself, or at least I couldn't find it on their website. But my guess is that Twilio is, one, trying to fly the flag that they are still innovating and an innovative company to the street. I also think they're testing the market to see if there's an appetite for them to move this from an MVP product to a commercially viable product in the marketplace. As we start to think about more distributed uh, working environments, we're starting to cut into that fall conference season. And I don't see anything out there that really has what they claim to offer in their capabilities. Uh, if you go to our website, you can see a couple screenshots from the conference and how it interacted. And it's really a pretty um, comprehensive platform. And I think that I would be very interested in exploring it for you know personal needs and then needs in uh, you know my day job. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye out on Twilio and their progress on this platform. The second story is about the top 25 apps currently being connected through Zapper. For those less familiar, Zapper is a cloud-based integration tool that allows you to connect one or many uh, applications together pretty seamlessly. And why is this really important? So if you think back to five or 10 years ago, there weren't that many cloud integration tools. And it used to be extremely costly where you'd have to pay for consulting dollars to do these sort of things, uh, integrate systems. It also was very timely. 
with uh, Zapper, you can do it in a few clicks of the button. Um, there's obviously more robust tools, and Zapper can you know, only do certain things, but for base-level features, it's really fantastic. I've got it connecting my CRM and my mail engine together, and it took me about 30 seconds to do. What I'm really interested in is just all the different tools that are being connected uh, around the globe, and I think it's really helpful for those that are trying to learn about how integrations and workflows can help uh, speed up their day-to-day lives. So I'd recommend going to our website, dailyblend.com, and having a look at the image of all the applications that are being shown and, and trying to do some of these connectors and seeing how it works and how data can flow from one thing to another and how it really can expedite uh, activities in your your life and potentially in your uh, corporate world too uh, if those solutions are uh, readily available. All right, the third story comes in about some of the athletes taking more of an active role in owning or participating in the sale of their sports memorabilia. Um, I've never really been one to go out and really desire to have someone's signature. I don't see a ton of value in that, but there are many that do, and I think it's uh, encroaching a billion-dollar industry. And what some athletes are doing is they're looking to get a bigger piece of the pie of that and really trying to uh, be a part of the negotiation process of how they get those uh, contracts to have guarantees of things they'll sign and then what's the value of it. And really what it comes down is to owning your brand. And I think there's some interesting correlation between corporate world. I think as platforms like Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, etc., are becoming more prevalent for the use in corporate world, the corporate companies are asking their individuals to market themselves as a actor or a participant in the uh, marketing and sales activities of the services of those companies. And I think over time, individuals will start to want to own their own brand and control a little bit of that. And there could be some negotiation powers for individuals and also conversely for brands to spend dollars with individuals to help bolster the brand. So I was just trying to more highlight that I think it's interesting that athletes are obviously wanting more of the piece of the pie for their brand. And Uh, there will likely be some sort of correlation in the corporate industry over time here. So the fourth story comes in on how digital content consumption has doubled during COVID. And while that's probably not a big surprise for anyone, what I do want to find and learn and monitor more about is just how AI is helping um, personalize that content. I think everyone's used to going to a website and seeing banner ads, and as a result of cookies, those ads are served up based on past uh, search histories and likes. And you know, if you started looking for, let's say, cars, and you then go to a website and you get served up a car ad, it's no surprise. But what I'm really interested in is, is how the content on the page or pages within a website could change based on who you are, either age, demographics, geography, or what stories they're trying to promote. There's been some uh, websites that are you know, good at doing this, Sitecore being one of them, but it takes a lot of effort in terms of a brand to be able to craft those different uh, campaigns, if you will. And uh, it takes time to understand the, the mapping of a customer. But from a brand standpoint and from a website standpoint, it would be great to really be able to dial in the messaging to your audience 
I think from an audience standpoint, we have to continually get more aware that this is happening. So the stories are being customized based on our preferences. So you're basically leaning in on your own interests and only being served up the things that you think are interesting. So at some point, you'll start to recognize that you've got a finite amount of topics that are being served to you, and you almost need to break uh, the cycle to, to get different content served up. Now, I think that's an extreme example, obviously, but over time, I do anticipate that becoming somewhat of an issue that you're only getting the, the content that you want, and it sort of limits your horizons of learning and exploring beyond your sort of core belief system or core interest level. So just something to be mindful of on the CMS side, and I'll be interested of how you know companies are tackling this more and more across CRM, marketing automation, and then the front-end Uh, web display. So the last story comes in from Amazon and their newly launching uh, men's custom uh, shopping experience. So for $4.99, you get a personal shopper that will help you uh, pick out a trunk. It will ship it to you. Based on how much you keep, you get varying levels of discounts and you'll look better as a result. And uh, about four years ago when I moved into Chicago, I started using Trunk Club. And what I loved about Trunk Club was the fact that I was in my early 30s and uh, I didn't know what was cool anymore. And this really helped dial in my wardrobe. Um, But what I didn't like was the price point was very strong. They would always be pushing you products at the beginning of the season and not providing any sort of discounts because they could uh, buy in bulk. And so where I'm hoping that Amazon sort of course corrects is saying, let's go to brand X and say, we'll guarantee that we can sell X amount of products or give us a sample of your you know, next season's line. We'll start to demonstrate that or display that to our customer base and we'll get pre-orders before you guys make the products. And so they're going in and instead of saying, we're going to buy 100, maybe they say, we, we've got 250 confirmations. As a result, we want to do discounting uh, of 30% and then we'll pass on a 15% discount to the end users. And I think that's one way that Amazon could do economies of scale to give discounting and to pull customers away from you know your local personalized shopper or stitch bitch like services. Another thing they could also do is say you're presented with a piece of uh, clothing or an item and at the beginning of the season, let's just pretend that it's $100 and you're like, you know what, I liked it, but it was too expensive. Well, at the end of the season, if there's product available uh, in your sizing that you liked or previously mentioned that you liked, they can give you sort of end of season discounting and pricing so that Amazon's not only helping at the front of the season, but the back of the season of clearing out inventory and getting customers what they want. And I think with the difference between men's clothing and women's clothing is men's clothing tends not to change from season to season. So from a man's standpoint, this is a great added service. So I'll be curious if Amazon sort of can capitalize on this. I would assume with their algorithms, they probably could find a way to serve up that content sort of end of the season or beginning of the season, but only time will tell. Um, I think the other thing to be interested in is Amazon was always online and has moved into more of a brick-and-mortar model with their quick service Go stores, 
their purchasing of Whole Foods. And I wonder over time, will they move into sort of a showroom experience where you go into the town or city and you can sort of see one of these items of each clothing and then you take a picture and it's shipped to your house uh, in your size the same day or next day. So these are just some different business models that Amazon could potentially uh, enable through their um, distribution networks that are already created. And I think from an end user standpoint, you know, they'll be able to get the brands they already love at affordable prices with shipping and, you know, next day or same day air. So um, I think in terms of retailers, I think of traditional malls, this could be a massive um, attack on their core business model. And, you know, companies like Macy's and Nordstrom's need to adapt or they're going to um, be really struggling this fall and winter season. All right, so that concludes our five top stories, but sometimes we do a little extra here. And actually this week we've got three extra stories just because it was a jam-packed week of news. So the first thing I wanna talk about is a service that I've used in the past and really thinking about making business personal. So we've gotten into the October months and I always start to think about what does a corporate person or a person who's trying to connect with uh, individuals in their personal life do that is different um, and, and fun and creative. And what I really like is sending handwritten notes. And so handwritten, and it's spelled instead of with an I, a Y, does automated or kind of machine-generated handwritten notes. So for someone who's got both poor handwriting and bad grammar or poor grammar, I use Grammarly and I submit my personalized letters uh, to this service and then they send it to uh, you know, friends, family, business contacts. And as we start to think about, you know, October of planning, sort of November is executing and then receiving in December, you know, start to think about who are you going to write, you know, gifts or letters to this year and, and take advantage of this service. I, I promise you, you'll really enjoy it. So the second plus story comes in from later and uh, the writer there, Jill Warren. And if you're not familiar with Later, it's a scheduling platform. I use it for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. What I do is I put my stories in ahead of time. It schedules them on the day and time that I want them released along with comments, notes, and tags. And then I don't have to worry about it during the day. I think Jill's got a really great blog on Later that talks about using different platforms. In the ones I linked on the site, it's really specifically looking at how to maximize some of the LinkedIn features that we talked about last week on the show. I think, you know, Jill is one of those writers where I consistently go back to any recommendations she makes on the different platforms. I think they're incredibly helpful and I've used them to expand my audience on all platforms. So the last story comes in uh, on the plus stories. So we've got three additional stories on the top five this week. So it's really talking about things to consider when hiring your first work from home and employee. And if you've followed the show, I've talked a lot lately about the distributed working environment and the implications on staff, morale, and now we're diving into hiring. So this article comes from Cohen Resnick and the team there that I'm involved with and really articulating 
you know, what are some lessons learned and some sort of guiding principles? Uh, also linked is a webinar that we recorded. It's about an hour long. It really dives into a variety of different topics, and I highly recommend having a listen during your walk this weekend, early next week. You know, if you have a case of the Mondays, I promise never to use that expression again on this show. And, you know, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, that wraps up this week's edition of the Friday Top 5. We went a little longer this week with a few extra stories, and that's okay. It's not going to hurt anyone. So as always, you can find me, Reed Daily, at Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, and you can search my name. You can find Daily Blend at dailyblend.com. And in terms of this show, you can check us out on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that podcasts are served. So with that said, I hope everyone closed out their week strong and is going to roll into a great fall weekend here. Football is finally back on, so everyone enjoy that, and we'll talk soon.